So we are going to be speaking about the God who answers today, because we're going into this time of prayer and fasting, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on something that has no effect. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time trying to drink the ocean. You know, it's like, no matter how hard I try, I'm never going to really get anywhere. So as far as I am concerned, if prayer doesn't work, why do it? But the Bible is very, very clear about this fact that prayer changes the world. That we serve a God who answers. That God is attentive to our prayer. You know, in my mind, I have this picture that I just go to start saying the prayer and God's already heard it. Of course, he wants me to say it because he's in relationship with me. But it's, he's not this far distant God, but he's, he's a father who's close by and who's hearing. My every whisper, my every heart cry, my every thought. And also above and beyond that, besides being a caring and involved God, he's a powerful God. He's a God for whom oceans are nothing. He just parts them in an instant. A God for whom famine is nothing. He just multiplies what you have and it just works. He's a God who created the universe with a word. How much more can he create something in your life by just speaking into your heart? So Father, as we share around this passage, Lord our God, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord God, I want to ask for more than just information. I want to ask for revelation in every heart. I want to ask for a vision in every heart of what can be done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to ask that you would, you would come and just do something new and spectacular in us and in our lives, Lord. Father God, as Mike shared about letting go the, the past, Lord God, I pray that you would grace every person here today to step into something new, to step into something greater, Lord God, to, to learn the lessons of the previous year, but embrace the newness of what you're doing in this year. Thank you, Lord. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. So I'm actually going to be working from two scriptures. Here's the first scripture. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there or you can just read on the screen with me. But it goes like this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. Do you feel tired at the end of that? It's like, poor judge. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I know at the end, you just, can you feel the ouch? Now, I don't know how 
you have felt about reading this parable in the past, but certainly when I have read it, like I said halfway through, that tiredness came upon me. I, it, it, it's on a superficial reading gives the impression that we are supposed to like nag God until he relents. Have you ever thought about that? And you know, I don't know about you, but I, I've tried the nagging thing with people. <laughs> have you? You know, it's, it's, it's tiring. You have to watch their every movement. You have to jump on their every misdemeanor. You have to, you know, you have to be ready with a sharp word all the time. And gosh, it's just tiring. So I've tried to give it up. And my husband says, amen. But really, Jesus meant the exact opposite by this parable. Believe it or not, when he started this parable, he had been talking to them about the concept of his kingdom coming on earth and him coming to rule and reign on earth and set all things right and that there was going to be a transformation of the natural world to reflect God's order and God's ways. And in light of that, he instructed them to begin praying that this would come to pass. So in context, what he's saying, he's not talking about your individual prayer that your mom will give you an increase in your allowance. He's not talking about, you know, your prayer that you can eat as much Christmas dinner as you want to and not gain any weight. You know, we all pray those prayers over Christmas. I know. But you know, he's not, he's not, talking, about, he's not talking about your personal kind of, request towards God, although Jesus in other places does, so he's not saying that you can't do that, but this particular prayer is about justice. I want you to see this. This woman was coming with a plea for justice, and justice in the kingdom is not just that a judge rules in your favor. Justice Biblically, is a way of living. It's a, a system where everything is right, where people get their, their due, due results and rewards of their labor, where things, where the rule and reign of God is in place, where things work well and, and things look like heaven, basically. So here, what he's saying, he's saying, as this woman comes longing after the rule and reign of God in her life and in her community and in her society, she comes with a perseverance. I will not stop until I see this done. At the same time, Jesus is saying something very interesting. He's not saying that God is like this unjust judge. He's saying the exact opposite. He's saying God is not like an unjust judge. He's saying how much, if, if unjust people will eventually hear your cry for justice, God, the creator of justice, the one who wants it more than you've ever imagined, who created this world for that, how much more if you just do one little knock on the door, as your knuckles touch that door, he's burst open with God, oh, thank you for asking. What took you so long? <laughs> I've been waiting for you to pray that. I've been, my ear has been attentive listening for that from you so that I could come and bring my will and way here on earth, in your family, in your community, in your workplace. 
And what I love about this parable is that Jesus at the same time finishes with that punch, you know. Nonetheless, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he comes? In other words, the reward is coming. The answer to your prayer is coming. Will you still be waiting for it when it comes? So there, there's a dual thing of saying, pray and believe because I'm a God who answers. And then there's another thing of saying, keep your heart in a position of faith because the answer is coming. Once you've asked, the answer is coming. But there is a possibility that when the answer comes, your, the faith in your heart will have waned and your heart would have moved over here and the answer arrives there, bam, and you miss it. And so he's saying part of the perseverance is not just in praying, but in keeping your heart in faith, believing that God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. So there are three kinds of answers to prayers. We all want the first one, which is the immediate one, you know. I remember uh, early on in my Christian faith, I was driving home. I had one young child at that stage, and I was driving home from the shops, and Andrew and I were in ministry, and we basically didn't earn hardly anything, and every, it, we just believe in God for money all the time. And I'm driving home, and I hear God say in my, my ear, or in my heart, ask me for 400 rand. Those days, 400 rand was quite a lot of money. And so I, I mean, what do you do? You do it, you know. So I said, Lord, please, can I have 400 rand? <laughs> and carried on with my day. That was like towards the end of the week. That Sunday at church, someone came up to me and said, I don't know why, but I just feel like I was supposed to give you this and handed me 400 rand. And, you know, in, in my heart, I feel like God was like, like challenging my faith and saying, obedience brings results. So, so that was a really, really great lesson. So if, God, if you feel inspired to pray something, pray it. I, um, I've had other prayers answered immediately that, that weren't necessarily about finances, but you, you know, you've had them also. We see them, Jesus, so many times in the Bible, just praying one thing for healing, for storms to cease, immediate results. So that's one kind of answer we get from God is those immediate results. There's another kind of answer, which is a delayed answer. Those ones aren't so fun. Those are the answers, you know, that, that God says yes, but, but the truth is if he gave it to us right now, we would probably die under the weight of it. It's, you know, it's like my four-year-old four asking if he can have the car. You know, I'm going, to, I'm going to let him drive the car in due time, but it's not now. You know, there's some, there's some things that have to happen in order for him to be ready to drive that car. But my answer is not no. There's, there's just a delay to it so that, so that I can get things in place, so that I can maneuver things, so I can um, get everyone else off the road. You know what I'm saying? But there certainly are those delayed answers. And you know, Jesus even had those kind of answers from his heavenly father. He prayed in John 17. He said this. He said, Father, 
let them be one, talking about all of the believers. He said, let them be one as you and I are one. In other words, he was praying, God, let all the Christians, all the churches, every believer be so united in thinking and in deed that they look like one being. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm kind of feeling like that's not quite fulfilled yet. But we know that God wants that, so we know it's coming. So Jesus even got some delayed answers. Yes, but not now. Then we get those answers that we just hate. James talked about, he says, you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask with the wrong motives. Oh, no. It's like, it's like God cares more about you than he really cares about the answer to your prayer. It's like, it's, like he, it's more important to him that you are positioned in a place where all the blessings of the kingdom can come rather than you just get this one little thing. He knows giving you this one little thing will disqualify you from all those other great things that he wants to bring. But here's the great thing about God. He said he doesn't just say no. He says, come here. Come close. Thank you for asking, but come close. Let's do some work in your heart. You stick with me for a while and see if you will pray that same prayer next week. You stick with me and see what you will pray at the end of your time with me. I guarantee you, you will be transformed by that intimacy with him and your prayers will come out changed and those will be the prayers he will answer. That's the God we serve. A God who answers. A God who answers. That is a picture of over 300,000 German people standing together with candles and praying for the unification of Germany. In 1982, a German pastor by the name of Christian Führer, and if I am offending all the Germans in here by pronouncing it wrong, I'm so sorry. That's my best effort. He was living, he was living in East Germany at the time. He was living in East Berlin, and at that time, the iron fist of totalitarian communism was over Europe. <laughs> The whole of Eastern Europe was held under the grip of a violent, dictatorial communism that, that dissenters just disappeared, and you only found their toenails. You know, it was like, it, it was a, just a terrible time. The economies of those communist countries were diving. There was poverty. There was neglect. In East Germany at the time, um, I mean, East Berlin at the time, People were paid wages, they were pay, paid a portion of the wages and the rest they were paid in vodka. And as a result, you had this generation of men who just drank their sorrows away and a generation of children rising up that had no fathers. It was a desolate, depraved, terrible time. 
And this pastor stood up and said, we have a God who answers. We have a God who answers. And he started every Monday night a prayer meeting in Leipzig. And what happened is the first prayer meeting, there were a few people and they prayed fervently. The next week, there were a few more. Next week, there were a few more. Seven years later, there were 70,000 people. You know he had to try, he had to extend it to a few more churches. On this particular night, one week between, before the Berlin Wall fell, there were 300,000 people. The, the East German government, the communist government, was in terror. They were threatening to kill, maim, and destroy anyone who went to the, the prayer meeting. But nothing happened. The, the people just walked past with candles, chanting, no violence, no violence, no violence. They prayed. God heard. Do you know that, that within one week, the East German government resigned en masse? And the people took down the barrier, that Berlin Wall that stood between East Berlin and West Berlin. They took it down with their own hands. We serve a God who answers. Listen to me, church. There is not, there's no ideology. There's no system. There's no ungodliness that can stand between God and her, his praying church. There's nothing. I mean, I mean, the communism was the strongest, most violent, most well-organized dictatorship on the earth that the earth had ever, ever seen. And people stood up with candles and prayers and said, our God will answer, and he took it down in a day. One day there was division, the next day it was gone. A man by the, gosh, I'll get this. There's a man by the name of Pete Gregg, and he wrote in a book called Red Moon Rising. He said this as he was raising up a prayer movement in Europe. He says this, along the way, we've discovered that prayer is in fact a laboratory of new possibilities, a launch pad for the wildest and most preposterous of dreams. As we stand at the beginning of 2018, listen to me, church. What could God do if we prayed? What could God do if we partnered with him, heard his heart, and prayed the things that were on his heart? What could God do? Not just for you as an individual, but for this nation. What could God do? Guys, the, the possibilities are endless. Endless. Jesus' disciples asked him, well, if this is true, if prayer is that powerful, if a partnership between heaven and earth in prayer is that effective, how should we pray? He taught them in Matthew 6 from 9 to 13. He said this, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, this, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He started with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Do you know why? I mean, I'm sure there are a hundred reasons why, but for the sake of the sermon, I will only give you one. And all of God's people said, thank you very much. 
remember I said there are those answers to prayers that are, come close, come close. This, this is God saying, start all of your prayers with the come close. Be, be with me. Allow your heart and your prayers to be formed out of relationship with me. So that as your father, as you are close to me, you, you can hear my heart. You can feel my heartbeat. You can see my desires and my dreams. You can see the good I have for you and the good I have for your family. And you can stop praying the petty small prayers. And you can pray the prayers that change nations. You know, I want to propose to you that that new job you've been praying for, please continue to pray for it. But I want to propose to you that God has a bigger plan for your life than that new job. I want to propose to you that you were born to bring his kingdom. You were born to display his majesty. You were born to speak his words. And I want to invite you to pray a bigger prayer than give me that job. I want you to pray a prayer. God, give me influence to speak your word. And if that means that job, I'll take it. Lord, give me a platform to bring your goodness and your rule and your reign. And Lord, if it's that job, I'll take it. And if not, give me what I need. Give me the open door to bring into existence what you have desired that my life would. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing, said C.S. Lewis. In other words, everything your heart desires is to be found in that intimacy with our Father. Our Father. Our Father. I'm not praying from a place of, Lord, do something for me. I'm praying from a place of, Father, you've done all things. Manifest this through me. It goes on your kingdom. Come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And I put those two together because I want, I want to hide our personal prayers in the glorious big prayers of transformation. I want to propose to you that a transformed society will give you the job you need. A transformed family will give you the peace and happiness you're looking for. And I want, I want to invite us into thinking God thoughts. Stepping out of our own like small-minded little Lord, just help me, help me survive today. Into God You've won all things. Your victory is complete. I'm standing in this victory and I'm going to enforce it and live it in my environment. A man by the name of Carl Barth said this, not Bart system, Bart Simpson, Carl Barth. To clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. Guys, can we start it? Would you like to start an uprising? Let's, let's just refuse point blank to accept what the world offers us as normal. 
Can we just refuse that? Can we look into heaven and say, that's what Jesus died for. That's what I want in my life. That's what I want in my society. That's what I want in my family. And I'm standing on that. I'm praying it from a place of intimacy with God. And it's coming out with authority. And I'm believing for it. And there is an uprising that is coming from what I pray. We have a video, and I'm going to play it. We were battling with sound earlier, so if the sound doesn't come, I'm just going to voice over it for you. It won't be as good, but it'll be our next best. Oh, look United at that. States, 1857. Slavery, rebellion, rumors of war. In three years, Americans would turn on each other and make history. But in 1857 New York City, history, the kind textbooks don't mention, was already happening. The date was September 23rd. A Christian layman named Jeremiah Lamphere held his first ever businessman's prayer meeting in Lower Manhattan. It was not, by all accounts, a rousing success. He passed out flyers for weeks. Six men attended. Two weeks later, the stock market crashed. Thousands of families lost all they had. And one of the greatest spiritual awakenings the world has ever seen began. Week by week, Jeremiah Lamphere's tiny lunch hour prayer meeting grew larger and larger. By December, his six men had become 10,000 men. And they met not every week, but every day. The New York newspapers took notice. And when word spread to other cities, spontaneous revival broke out across the country. In Cleveland and St. Louis, thousands of people packed downtown churches and theaters three times each day just to pray. In Chicago, churches had to have waiting lists for people wanting to teach Sunday school. And all across America, pastors were baptizing 20,000 new believers every week. The revival eventually spread around the world. In England, entire towns were converted. Some towns disbanded their police force because of a lack of crime. And so many people came to Christ. Churches had to hold services outside just to accommodate the crowds. The world had seen nothing like it before or since. Global revival. God started it with one man. It changed the course of history. And now, in today's world, people need to know can history repeat itself? Can it happen again? And the answer is a resounding yes. What would God do? Guys, you know, I, I, like I said, you know, I've had those instant prayers answers. One of those prayers that I believe God has said to me, yes, but not yet, is one for revival in South Africa and revival in Africa. You know, I, I feel it brooding in my heart. I feel it. I feel it just waiting on the wings. I feel, I feel God drawing it in. I feel, like, I feel like he's drawing each of your hearts into it. And what I mean by that, I mean about a nation transformed by the glory and presence of God. A nation infiltrated with powerful, strong, Bible-believing, Jesus-talking, majestic carriers of the Holy Spirit, reaching into every sphere of society, reforming it, changing it, bringing in the harvest so that the nation stands up and lifts up his head and says, the Lord he is God. I see all of the earth standing and
and looking at South Africa and saying, that's how you do it. Amen. Listen to me. I, you know, I, all of the turmoil we've been through, I have often asked God, why was I born in South Africa at this time? You know, I could have been born in Norway or Dubai where the GDP is like off the roof and no one has any cares or worries. You know what I'm saying? I could have been born. But I, I was born into a nation in turmoil. Why? Because I feel like God said to me, you were born to change the world. And I want to propose to you that you were born in South Africa for such a time as this. I want to propose that God made no mistake. Whatever the color of your skin, God put you here now for a reason because he has a plan for this nation. And in your heart is stirring something. You are saying what is around us is not good enough. It's not enough. It doesn't look like what God promised. And deep in your heart, you are saying, I want more. And God has called you because of that. And he's saying, stand up, rise up, be who you are. Pray my prayers. Find the strength to be who you were called to be despite the opposition around you. Don't listen to the bad news. Don't listen to the destructive words. Rise up and be be the vessel of my glory in this nation. Amen. Amen. And that wasn't in my sermon, but I liked it. <laughs> and forgive us our debts, Jesus says, as we have forgiven our debtors. I mean, why is that in there? I mean, why is that in there? Because I want to propose to you that when I have no bitterness towards um, Dale, I think he's the most glorious man, not in this church, but just he's a really glorious man. But say, say he had not greeted me last Sunday, and I was, you know, oh, that man, he doesn't like me. You know, I'm, I'm hanging on to this, this grief and this um, the sense of just being hard done by, and I'm, I'm, I'm just hanging on to it and God wants to come and give me a huge blessing, an open door and all I can think about is how Dale treated me last week. And I go into my prayers and I'm, I'm like, God, get that Dale. <laughs> he is going to get you but it's going to be really good. You know, you know I'm, uh, all I can think about is this, uh, this offense. And in my mind, it's kind of like, I can imagine, I do a bit of gardening from time to time. It doesn't really work out well. My, most of the plants die, but nonetheless, I persist. But, you know, every now and then, you know, you know I, I, I just got this picture of me with this tiny little trowel trying to dig a hole in the, in the earth, you know, and bashing it. And each time I get a little spoonful out and I'm working, I'm working, and God's standing next to me with this huge bulldozer and saying, anytime you want help, just let me know. And I'm hanging onto this tiny little trowel of my offense and bitterness and unforgiveness. So I can't turn to the side and see what God has. And, and I want to propose to you that as we hang on to those things, we miss so much. And I feel like Jesus said, just let that go. Make, just open the door for my bulldozer. Let's just get this done now. Again, Pete Gregg says this, our prayers light up landing strips for the invading forces of heaven. And sometimes I think we are setting out a few little lights for the arrival of a butterfly. 
And God's inviting us, pray big prayers. Light up landing strips for the host of heaven. Place a target on your family, on your own life, on your nation, on your city that says God belongs here. Paint it big, wide, and loud so that God knows where to strike with his goodness. He goes on and says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Also, I've always wondered about this. You mean you could lead me into temptation? I mean, it's just like, what is God saying? I, I always reword it when I pray it. I read it word like this. Lord, lead me away from evil and into righteousness. Lord, constantly be calling me into the right path. Constantly be making known to me the paths that are right and true and good. John Piper said this, he said, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. And I feel like what this, the end of this prayer is, is a call into the heart of God. He started it with our father and he ends with, leave aside those temptations and that nonsense and walk into the heart of Jesus. Live in a place where you are satisfied in me. So that though, you know, What? drugs, alcohol, hating my neighbor. Oh gosh, I don't have time for that. I'm so busy being loved. I'm so busy seeing the goodness and the grace of God in front of me. I'm so satisfied. I don't have place and room for that. And I just, I just hear God inviting us into that. The cross destroyed the enemy's ability to bind you. It destroyed the enemy's ability to trap you. It set you free from every curse, from every work of the enemy, from every um, bondage. And it gave you free passage into the glorious heart of your heavenly father. And guys, this is why we pray. Because we know we serve a God who answers. And we know that we can be the generation that stands in the gap in the, as a wall between the enemy's plans for this nation and the people of this nation. And we stand there as God's emissaries declaring his will and way into this nation. And as we do, that's what God gets. He gets the reward of what he did on the cross and we get the fullness of his victory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The right thing right now to do is say, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to ask, <laughs> Lord God, I'm going to pray some audacious prayers. If you agree with me, just say something out loud from your mouth as I say it that indicates you agree. 
Lord, I just, Lord God, I just declare a revival for Johannesburg. I declare revival for South Africa. I declare your purposes manifest here, Lord God. I declare the will and way of God into every sphere of society, into our schools, our businesses, into, Father God, into our um, government, into, Lord God, into our judiciary, Lord God. We just declare men and women rising up in the power of the Spirit, doing what's right every time. Not sometimes, but every time. Lord God, we just declare right now in Jesus' name, our families whole, our families saved. We just declare right now our businesses, our workplaces, every person there hearing about Jesus, Lord God. We just declare into our own souls a boldness that won't sit down, that won't lie down, that won't back away. Lord God, we just declare your love rushing into every place of fear and insecurities in our heart. Lord God, and we just declare ourselves yours in every way, Lord God, in every way. Thank you, Lord. We just declare ourselves not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. Lord God, we just declare that today is a new day. Lord God, we just declare that we will be that woman who will knock until justice comes. And we are understanding of this, that before our knuckles hit that door, you have already answered, Lord God. We will be the ones who will position our hearts in faith so that, Lord God, when your answer comes, we will be ready. We will be already running, Lord God. We will catch the wave. We'll be part of the solution. We will see your kingdom come in our environments. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we pray, I'm just going to ask if there's anyone here. And as we've been talking about Jesus, you know, maybe this is your first time at this church. Maybe you've been here a long time. Maybe you've been at other churches. But you know that your life is not right with God. And, and as a first step of just seeing the fullness of his kingdom come in your life and in your environment, you want to get yourself right. You want to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to reorientate your life back to having Jesus first. And if that's you, I want to ask if you would raise your hand. Is there anyone here who would like to do that? Please don't feel ashamed. There's no, there's no place for shame here. This is, this is a community of Jesus lovers. Is there anyone here who would like to do that? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, right where you are, I'm going to ask you one last thing. You know it's impossible to do the right thing without that bulldozer, without the power of the Spirit, without God's presence in you without being filled with him. So I just want to ask right now where you are. If you could just open up your heart and you could just, between you and the Lord, I want you to just say this, Lord, come and fill me again. Satisfy me with good things. Show me your heart. Help me to understand what you are doing, Lord. Lord God, I want to be a part of the revival you're bringing in South Africa and the world, Lord. I want to be a part of that movement 
that kingdom movement of transformation. I want to be part of you setting the world right. Lord, fill me again. Change me. Change me. Change me. We're going to just sit there a while. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're good enough, Lord. You really are enough for everything. Thank you. Lord, we just turn from our pettiness, our smallness. Oh God, and we turn to face the living Christ, the glorious one. And we say yes. We say yes. Thank you, Lord.